Today we're going to do it a little bit different. Uh, this isn't going to be a sort of expository uh, uh, teaching message on a particular passage of scripture because it is our third year anniversary and uh, wanted to try and address that because this is a very significant day, a very significant moment for our church as we turn uh, three years old. Uh, the scripture has some things to say about this kind of subject. And uh, there are three images that I want to pick up on uh, in the Bible, particularly in the New Testament when it comes to the church and, and trying to grow and trying to grow in, in every kind of way. And, you know, you age, time passes, but are you really growing? It's hard to know sometimes. So there's some images in the scripture that help us uh, from some passages that I'll go through really, really quickly. But at three years old... There's a change from when you're two years old, yes? So how many of you, um, you have children? Put your hand in the air. All right, and so maybe your children might be two or one or three or, you know, this will be very, very vibrant for you. But those of you who your children are a little older than two or three, there's quite a number of changes that take place between the age of two and the age of three in the life of a little little baby. Can you shout out some of them to me? Walking, walking yeah, yeah. A lot of kids are walking even earlier than, than three, but that's true. Talking, yeah. Talking a lot, perhaps. Yeah. Ah, yeah. That, that's the, well, you're quick. That's the one that I was after. Uh, give me some more as well. Walking, talking, potty training. Any others? Saying no, okay, good, yeah, the development of the will, yeah, no. Any other ones you have observed? Exploring everything, yeah, sometimes a little too much. Touching everything. But Okay, yeah, 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 Put, putting everything everywhere, including the... the, the the proverbial uh, toilet paper in the toilet where there's too much. Band-Aids. You ever, you ever realize when they discover Band-Aids? Yeah, the Band-Aids all over the place. So, but there's change. And there's one that I wanted to pick up on, uh, and that was shouted out pretty quickly. Um, you, well, to, I don't mean to be crude, and I don't mean to be, uh, to be a little rough on a Sunday morning, but, well... You often, between two and three, when that child hits three, often there's a big change in terms of they're getting out of diapers. And all the parents said, amen. amen. <laughs> so with that in mind, a couple of, of places in the scripture. At three years old, it's interesting, in the New Testament, talking about the church, the writers are quite emphatic about a kind of maturation process that should be happening. And often they are critical about it. Um, for instance, you have an image in 1 Corinthians and the Hebrews about milk and solid food, or in some translations, meat. And so the idea is, well, the... the the people are supposed to mature from the milk, which is an image for where they're at in terms of their spiritual life, 
to solid food or meat. The, the passages are quite strong, uh, but I'll, I'll read them just to give you a broad picture. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 4, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, ouch, mere infants in Christ. Paul says to the Corinthian church, I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. And he was very hard on them. Uh, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? For one says, I follow Paul. And the other says, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere human beings? So critical of them, but you see the image. Milk or solid food. He, he wanted them to mature in a particular area, and he was frustrated with them that they did not mature. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 to 14, the author of Hebrews, he's same kind of thing. In fact, by this time, you ought to be teachers. Really, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God, God's word all over again. You need milk. There it is again, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk being still an infant is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Without getting into those texts, just see the imagery, right? So milk or solid food, or in some translations, meat. So there's a maturation process that the, the, these people who were writing in the New Testament expected. Uh, another image that you see of the church um, in, in the writings of Paul is that the church is like a body. So he likens it to a human body. And he says, you are the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, and each one of you is a part of it. So he, he draws this picture that the church, the people, can be likened in some ways to a human body. Human body grows. It has a life cycle to it. A little child eventually starts growing in a big moment, in, in our culture at least, is, wow, they get out of diapers. They get out of diapers. Wow, big thing. It's a big thing in the, in the little child's life. Uh, another image that we see is that of a household. So Ephesians chapter 2 verse 15, you are members of God's household. He's not referring to a building or a structure or a brick and mortar. He's referring to like a family, the household of faith. So you see those kinds of images in the scripture when referring to the church. So I thought it would be interesting to explore those things at three years old. You see, and I have seen a maturation process happening in our lives at three years old. Maybe you're here for the very first time. Doesn't matter. You are in a maturation process in your understanding of God. Here's what I've seen our church is in a maturation process in, in a few different ways. First, in what I'll call ecclesiology. Fancy word. It means the ology of the church, our understanding of what church really is. So right now we're meeting in a movie theater. Uh, Pastor Michael didn't tell this joke last night, but this used to be a very, very taboo thing to do to have church in a movie theater. Uh, those of you who are from a really intense uh, kind of, uh, you know, you come from a, a 
teaching about the rapture and the second coming, taught in a very intense fashion, you may have grown up being told that if you were in a movie theater and the rapture were to happen, you would get left behind on planet Earth because you were in sin by being in that movie theater. Any of you remember those days or any of you have been taught that? Yeah, so, so, well, now we're doing church in a movie theater. So that changes your perspective in some ways, your ecclesiology of what church is. But this church has been on a really interesting journey in terms of understanding what church really is. The, the word ecclesiology does not, it doesn't mean a place, doesn't mean a tradition, doesn't mean a style, it doesn't mean a type of singing, it doesn't mean a type of dress, it doesn't mean a type of music, it means a gathering. That's all it means. It's a gathering of people. It's not a new word. Jesus didn't invent the word. We translate it into English from a couple of other languages and we get this word church. But what the word ecclesia means is a gathering of people. And the church of Jesus is a gathering of people around the center, the worship piece is Jesus himself. This church has been on an interesting journey. I don't know if you remember the last 12 months, uh, but we started three years ago in, a, in this movie theater on the other end of the corridor, but on Saturday mornings. Do you remember that? That was a daring maneuver to try and start a church on a Saturday morning. Some churches will start a Saturday night, but we dared to try it on Saturday morning because we could not get the building on Sunday morning. So we said, well, we'll try it on Saturday morning. I mean, what have we got to lose? You start at zero, you end at zero, you're still zero. So let's try. And so, wow, we saw, okay, I mean, it worked. worked for a solid year, two years, I think it was. And then we started hearing you know, people trying to invite people or people just wanting to come. And it's like, wow, why are you Saturday, Saturday, Saturday? How come Saturday? Why Saturday, Saturday? It became like more of a hurdle than an open door. And so we said, well, we have to switch to Sunday. We couldn't get the building on Sunday. And lo and behold, they opened up a beautiful hotel, 500 meters uh, yonder walk. And we said, well, let's go to the hotel. And uh, hotels are nice, but how many of you know they're expensive? So remember the hotel? There'll be a couple of pictures on the screen there. And we, we did the hotel over at the Alt Plus Hotel. Beautiful space, gorgeous room. But we said, well, let's keep a short lease there because we don't know like, if we can handle the money. It's a big increase in rent. Let's keep a short lease and see what happens. And you know what happened? As soon as we left, the theater wanted us back. As soon as they heard that, that we left, uh, they were shocked. They said, well, why are you leaving? And we said, well, we can't meet here on, on Sundays. And they said, well, we've checked into that, and actually, you can. And we said, well, but we don't want to cause any problems. I mean, and, and those of you who are here, there's, a, there's actually a French church that meets on the other end of the, the building. And we did not want to have any kind of, you know, conflict or anything with them. And, we, you know, we didn't want to start trouble. They said, no, 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 no. You can come in. We're going we're gonna to organize it. We're going to fix it so you'll both be happy. And so we said, well, well, we'll see you around because we've signed a lease with the hotel. And we stayed at the hotel for, I think it was six, seven months. And, uh, you know, we had good times there at the hotel. Beautiful space, you know, brighter. Every location has its, its positives and its negatives. And that one had positives and negatives. One of the negatives was we could not bring in food. Do you remember? 
And anything that you eat there, we had to pay caterers to bring it in. Caterers are expensive. And even the communion the emblems that we, that we use, once in a while, we got raised eyebrows about that. What is that, food? What are you doing with that? You know? So anyway, it was good, good times there at the hotel, but somewhat expensive times. And the theater, all of a sudden, they've made a way. They've made an open door. They want us back. Yes, yes, yes. So it changes your understanding of church when you're bouncing around from place to place. It changes what you think the church really is. It was fun to uh, baptize people within the last 12 months, especially young people. And you can scroll through those pictures, David. Uh, uh, six people that we baptized, I think, uh, within the last 12 months, and most of them young. And you see some of their faces on the on the screens there, and you just go ahead and scroll through. So you're, we're in like a maturation process. You start you start getting out of diapers. It's you know you you start to become more. You learn skill. You learn. You get understanding. And you start to get out of diapers in your understanding of what the church is. Your ecclesiology begins to change. You say, well, if church isn't about the day that we meet, if church isn't about the place that we meet, I mean, we baptize people and we rented a baptismal tank in another church. I mean, we've been all over the place, you know. If it isn't about that, what is it about? Well, it's about the people. It's about the gathering of the people around the person of the Lord Jesus. That's what the church is. Forget about your traditions. Forget about your preferences. Forget about your styles. Those things are all good, but that's not really what the church is. The church is the gathering of the people around the person of the Lord Jesus. So, you know, Saturday morning at the theater, Sunday morning at the hotel. Remember, we actually changed the name of the church do you remember when we launched the church, we were called City Reach Brossard because the network that we planted with three years ago was called City Reach Network. I'll tell you more in, in a few minutes, but we changed the name of the church. You joked about names of churches last night, Pastor Michael. You know, we didn't become the church of the holy rollers, you know, shaking from the, the chandeliers, tongue-speaking, prophesying apostle church. You know, we just picked a real simple name, and we changed the name of the church and rebrand everything. I mean, wow, what's the church anyway? Is it changing all the time? How come? How come? And, and we're going to do something else. We're going to have starting this Wednesday night, uh, a midweek time together, a midweek gathering, kind of like a Bible study, a little less formal. We'll be able to pray together in a more focused way. We'll be able to look into the scripture in a deeper way. We'll be able to build relationships in a, in a uh, less stressful time. Like we don't have to get out of the place quickly. So we're going to start that this coming Wednesday. I'll tell you more in a few minutes. Uh, some highlights that I noticed, uh, um, we, we had a, um, uh, a worship night on a Friday night, I think it was, uh, a few months ago, three months ago or something. And, and if you can put the picture on the screen there, the next one. And, and I saw something there. I saw people un beginning to understand what the church is. See people having conversations with one another. See people praying with one another. See people talking and speaking into one another's lives. That, that, is, that is ecclesia, you see. It, it, it's not a show. It's not a performance. It's the people gathered around the person of Jesus. It doesn't have to be 10,000 people. Really, all you need, all you need is two. You get two people together together. 
and their focal point is Jesus, there you have an ecclesia moment. There you have a moment where you can build into one another's lives. I remember another moment where we had uh, some couples who got together uh, over at the same place that we were last night. You can flip the picture. And uh, they ate together. It seems like Christians like to eat. You didn't tell any jokes about that last night either. But... Um, Oh, you did? Okay, I probably was laughing so hard at it. So, uh, so people brought food in from their, you know, we have very multicultural here. People brought food in and they ate together and they, we, we watched a video series very quickly about relationships and marriage and learned some skills there. Okay, that's, that's ecclesia, that's, that's church moments. And, and it's exciting to see people learn and kind of relearn in some ways what church is really all about. But your view changes when you go from two years old to three years old. You start to learn to get out of diapers. Again, not trying to be offensive, but a, an illustration we can all understand. I see a maturation process in relationships. Relationships. So how many of you know when you start a relationship, everything is good? Now, there is a myth that when couples get married, you know, the first six months or first year, they say, oh, it's, that's the best time. That's the honeymoon period. I, I now believe after counseling many couples that that is mythology. Uh, oftentimes, the first year is the worst year and the most difficult year. I know, Pastor Mike, you've been married two years. You're nodding your head. Be careful doing that because your wife is right next to you. But maybe she's nodding her head, too. Uh, but, you know, but, but there is, at the beginning, when you start the relationship, maybe you're not married yet, but you start the relationship, is, um, speaking of a romantic relationship, is, wow, the sparks are flying, is uh, emotion, and it's like, wow, the, the person's like an angel to you. I mean, they're like a, the, the, the guy is like a knight in shining armor. I mean, he looks suspiciously like Jesus sometimes, you know, and, and the, the girl is like, man, she's like, she's like Deborah from the Bible, she's like Esther from the Bible. She's like Halle Berry. She's like, she's like everything. She's such a perfect. Everything's perfect. It's so nice. Everybody feels like that, that, that. And then they have conflict. And then they have, and they're offended. And then they have a fight. And then they have a hold down fight. And then they learn that they are in diapers. And oftentimes I have seen a lot of couples get married and emotionally speaking, in terms of how they handle offense and conflict in their marriage, they're still in diapers. Sometimes for years and years, if you could see them in terms of their emotional setup, they'd be walking around going goo goo ga ga ba ba da da in diapers, the way that they communicate with one another. All you have to do is sit them down in a room and watch them fight with one another. And you're like, well, that's a diaper city. Any of you watch Dr. Phil? Why do we watch that show? Just to see people in diapers yelling at each other, right? That's why we watch and we look, we say, how can these people be so just off the wall? Because we are too <laughs> and we, we relate, right? So I, I have seen a lot of times that that happened in marriage. Well, it happens in, it happens in churches as well. And the first few, oh, everybody loves everybody and everyone, oh, we are family and all this stuff. And then people start getting offended and then there's conflict. This is where it gets quiet. And then you start to learn 
Well, how do you deal with those things? If the church is a household, if it's like a body, if it's like a family, well, then how do you deal with those things? There's a way to deal with it in diapers, and there's a way to deal with it when you take the diapers off and you learn to handle the accidents, and you learn how to deal with offense and how to deal with conflict. And when you get to three years old, I see a maturation process beginning to unfold in people's lives. It's not always easy. It's not always pleasant, but there is a way to do it and a way not to do it. I would refer you to a message that I preached at the end of June. It's on our website. It's on our Facebook page. I believe it's the most important message I've preached all year, maybe in my whole ministry, and I deal specifically in that message with the out-of-diapers way of dealing with offense when you have offended somebody or when you are offended in particularly in the church, but it'll work in any relationship. You should listen to that message called All in the Family. There's a maturation process that starts to happen in people's lives. You start to, you start to move from milk to solid food. You start to get out of diapers. I see a maturation process with money uh, financially. Say, don't talk about money in the church. Well, you know me. I, I am not shy talking about money in the church at all. Everything that you're doing right now costs money. When you leave this building, it will cost you money. When you go home, it will cost you money. When you go to sleep, it will cost you money. Do you, I mean, money is part of everything that we do. And I see a maturation process getting out of diapers, the church is, in terms of how the church is doing with money. I'm standing on, on a good example of that. When we moved back in here, we decided to spend some money because when it's 6.45, 7 o'clock, 7.15 in the morning, it's minus 20 outside, and you've got the same tired three, four people lugging gear, picking up speakers, you know, and it's pitch black, and it's, that's hard. That's hard to do, you know, all the time. We're probably going to be here for a while, and so we did our research, and we said, you know what? If we bought a stage, and we, we had a connection with another church plant uh, that's meeting now in the West Island, and we said, if we bought a stage like them, uh, we could probably cut our setup and tear down time in half. And so we researched it, researched it, and we went and we bought this, this stage, and the guys put it together. We had 10 guys, you flip the picture, we had 10 guys who, who put this thing together in a, in a day. Look at them, they're so handsome. And um, one of them's away, he brought in his, his, his two sons and his uh, people from his job, and there's other people from our church, and they built this thing that we're standing on. Okay, that costs money. I know it's nuts and bolts, but you get out of diapers and you say, well, hey, we have to think about the long term. We have to play the tape forward. And we, we went, we bought this stage. Uh, this is a church with a really interesting and bizarre financial history, even at three years old. Bizarre. Uh, so if you flip to the next slide, so what we did at the beginning and the launch of this church, I've not met one church planter, and, and I've met quite a few of them now. Now I'm in an in-depth uh, course with a number of church planters as well, and uh, I have not met one church planter who has done what we've, what we've done. Whenever I tell them what we did, they all go, like, that's really strange. So what we did, some of you will remember, we had money given to us. 
Uh, we planted with, with City Reach Network. That's the common thing to do now. You find a church planting network, and you plant with a network because the network can train you, and the network can, can give you the reality about church planting, and the network can support you, and the network can give you money. And, and they did, and they did. And, and our, our national office of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada were so excited for us, so proud of us, they gave us money quite a bit of money. So uh, I'll tell you the figure altogether is like $45,000 between those two entities that said, we're going to pour money into this new church plant. We're so excited for this church plant. And you know what we said? We said, we don't want it. Take it back. And they said, are you sure? <laughs> we said, yeah, take it back. Because the people need to learn. You give, the church goes. You don't give, the church dies. That's the way they did it way back when. So we're going to try and do it that way. They said, are you sure? Like, that's really insanity that you're, you're speaking of. We said, no, that's what we're going to do. We'll just wait and see what God does. We'll just wait and see. And so lo and behold, strange, bizarre thing, we see three years later that the amount of money that we gave back, and we said, go, go, go and bless another church planter with this. We don't want it. We don't want any tithes. We don't have to pay it back. We, we want to see if God will bless this thing or not. And lo and behold, the amount of money that we gave away is the amount that we still have in margin in the bank. That's the amount that we still have. You should. It's your. It's because of you, because of you, and I've seen that. I've seen it go down. I've seen it go up. But it's it's always around the same. And right now it's sitting at about, I think, 40k uh, in margin. That is highly unusual for a church plant. The, the, first of all, to launch that way, it's unheard of. I've not met one planter who is insane enough to try that maneuver. Uh, sometimes maybe it maybe it was crazy, but God. I told you, God, sometimes he works in counterintuitive fashion, and sometimes he does. And so we've watched that happen. We, we gave it away. We saw margin. But you get out of diapers, you see. And we have had the blessing of being under our Quebec district of the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. They didn't give us any money. But administratively, we could not have operated without them. We could not have done anything. We couldn't issue income tax receipts. We couldn't do anything without them. We couldn't operate financially without them. And they handled it all for us for free. Isn't that nice of our district to have done that for us? You met one of our district officers, Pastor John Apolito, a few weeks ago. It's so nice what they do for you, you know. Uh, but that changes when you get out of diapers then you start to be independent. Well, we went and bought a new stage. We got all set up over here. We're all excited. Yes, yes, yes. And then we realized, oh, we got a broken piece of gear. We suspected it was broken for a while. We, it was kind of limping over at the theater. And then we plugged it in over here. And it's like, oh, man, that's bad. Like, the, we shouldn't be hearing that. There's something wrong with that gear. We had to go and spend money, go and fix a piece of gear. You get out of diapers. Can't go crying to somebody, come and give me, I need to fix. No, you're getting out of diapers. You got to do it yourself. You know, now we have to buy, this is going to make you really excited, insurance. Our church needs insurance. Uh-huh. If the church wants to do something right, the church needs insurance. Guess what? Guess what? Before, we used to have the covering of the district, you see. We were under the shadow of their wings. And so we didn't have to pay the two grand in annual insurance, you know, to have proper insurance as a church. Ah, ha, ha. And guess what? When you become a charity, which we did this year, yes. Again, that's nuts and bolts. You probably say, who cares? Well, I care. 
because when, I, when I'm gone, the church will still be the church. So when you become a charity in the eyes of the law, that means that the law says, yep, you're a real charity, you're a real church. You say, well, who cares about the law? The laws are corrupt, whatever, whatever. Well, God told, God told the church in Rome to submit to Roman authority, all right? So to the extent that, that, we, that we can, we submit to the laws of the land, and we became a proper set-up church. When you do that, you have to do things right. You, I mean, you can't have... You can't have your, your pastor running an Excel spreadsheet that, that don't, that's very incomprehensible and that's got 4,000 lines to it. You have to do things right. You have to get a proper person who understands bookkeeping and the nuances of running a church in this nation and in this province. Hey, guess what that costs? That costs money. Nuts and bolts. I know it's not glamorous stuff, but all of that is added to our annual budget wasn't there for the first two years now it's here now so it's been an interesting year cash flow wise we're we're red if you just look at this year but we still have all this margin that helps us to sleep well but this is why i i tell you, you when you get out of diapers in terms of your understanding of finances again pardon the image i know it's crude but it's it's we can all relate to it uh, then we realize, well, we've got to pay our way. And this is why I teach consistent generosity. I practice it. I practice the discipline of tithing to this church. This is my church. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes you have to sacrifice. Yes, yes, yes. But when you learn that discipline of generosity, consistent generosity, watch God bless your life. You know I don't believe in give to get. You know that the blessing of God comes in many, many other ways, sometimes financially, sometimes not. Just the, just the act of giving in and of itself is in and of itself a blessing. It's an act of our worship. But you get out of diapers and you start to understand, okay, you know, the, we, we, we're maturing in our understanding of money and it's, this is all God's resources. I see a maturation process finally in our theology. We talked about ecclesiology, that's the ology of the church. Well, theology, that's the ology of God. And I have watched over the last three years, in particular the last 12 months, and seen a maturation process that has been a, a, a difficult and an interesting and a, I don't know what words to use, journey. Because what we have experienced together as a church family, in particular the last 12 months, has been, has been very, very hard, very, very painful. Uh, we've seen families lose loved ones. It was back to back to back at one point. I mean, I was to funeral after funeral after funeral and a lot of tears and a lot of pain and a lot of hurt and a lot of questions. We begin to question the ology of God himself when we live through difficult moments, don't we? Some of you, you're doing that right now because you're in a difficult moment. And what do you do? You, your theology is being challenged. And you wonder, well, how can, how can this happen if God is on the throne? How can this be if God is all-powerful? How can this be if God is holy? How can this be if God is good? How can this happen? And what happens is your, your theology begins to change because you start to realize no matter what buttons I try to push on God's throne to get him to do something, it seems like it's not working. 
I tried to do everything right. I tried to pray all the prayers. I tried to quote all the right scriptures. I tried, I did everything. I pushed all the right buttons that you're supposed to push. And it seemed like, and even for some of you now, it seems like God is not here. He's not answering. He's not doing anything. What happens is your theology starts to change. And either you're going to go, you're going to go one way or you're going to go the other way. Either you're going to dig your roots in and say, well, come what may, I will continue to serve the Lord, or maybe you won't. Maybe you'll go the other way and you say, forget it. It's not worth serving God because there's just nothing happening. And when that happens in life, you start to challenge the presuppositions that you have about God. Let me tell you, when you're, you're a diaper theology about God is that, well, you push, push the right buttons and God will do what you say. Pray the right prayers quote the right scriptures, you'll get what you want, your prayers will be answered, God will do what you say. That's a diaper theology. I know it's a crude illustration, but we can all relate to this illustration. When you get out of diapers, you start to realize God is under no obligation to act when I push his buttons. I push his buttons because I worship God. I raise my hands and I worship God, period. He's under no obligation to do anything for me. He already did something for me on the cross 2,000 years ago. So I worship him, period. Life is hard, yep. I worship him, period. How can you do that? How can you worship God when your life is so bad? Because of what Jesus already did for me. It may be hard here until the day that I die, but I know because of what Jesus did for me, I can worship him. I can stand in the little church in the movie theater and I can surrender to God. Because, again, diaper theology, just push the right buttons. God is obligated to move for you. Out of diapers theology, no, he is not, and I will still worship him under no condition. He loved me unconditionally. I will worship him with no condition. I will not coerce him. I will not kidnap his mother. I cannot get him to do anything for me. I don't, I, don't, I don't have a relationship with God so that I can get things. He already gave me salvation. He already set me free from my sin. He already set me free from my own self. So come what may, I will still serve him. That's when you know you're starting to get out of diapers. That's when you know you're moving from the milk to the solid food. Solid food, wow, you're going to swallow. Be careful when you swallow it sometimes, right? It's, it's, you grow, but you grow and you start to mature and you dig your roots in deep to God and you see a maturation begin to take place. I told you on Wednesday night, you can put the slide on the screen, we're going to uh, start a midweek uh, time together and uh, the subject that we'll be covering starting this Wednesday night, 7 p.m., is called the problem of God, the problem of God. You say, well, how can God be a problem? Uh, well, there's a lot of problems when you start thinking about the existence of God and you look at this world. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of things that rise up in our hearts, a lot of objections, many of them very valid. And we're going to be going through a terrific book that was written by a Canadian, uh, Pastor Mark Clark out of Village Church in British Columbia, large church, 10,000 plus people. And uh, excellent book that he has written and we'll borrow from that material. The Problem of God is going to be interactive where you get to, you get to participate and you get to talk back and you get to learn 
Uh, it's not, well, you all listen to, you know, your pastor talk and talk and talk. He never knows how to be quiet, this pastor. No, it's not like that. It'll be very, very different, and it'll be something that you can learn in. We'll probably do this until uh, about December, Christmas or so. Uh, we'll be meeting just a few doors down from where we met last, last night at uh, Le Studio Number 2. The address is on the screen there, 3663 uh, Boulevard Tashiro. So we're going to start that Wednesday night at 7 p.m. as we continue to mature, you see. You can't just do this on Sunday morning for an hour and 15 minutes or whatever it is and say, oh, well, you know, that's it. That's all I need. No, it's not all you need. You need to have encouragement in your life. You need to build relationships within the community of faith. You need to build into one another's lives. You need to be accountable to one another and so on and so on. That's what the church is. When you start learning that, you start a maturation process. Three years old. Wow. Wow. That is significant. It's not cheaper, is it? Right? When you, when you get the baby out of diapers, does it cost less or more money? It costs more because now, oh, now we've got more things to pay for. They eat more. Wow, they, they, they're, they're eating more and more. And then you start having more kids and you're like, what do I need to mortgage my house to feed my family? You know, it, it's, it, it's change, change, change. Wait, wait till we're four. Wait till we're five. Wait till we're 10. Wait till we're 15 and we're 20. You see more and more growth, more and more maturity. 